Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Monday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, Holiday travel in one of the busiest airports in the world, Atlanta's Hartsville-Jackson International, will tell you what you need to know about this very busy Thanksgiving holiday weekend coming up. Plus, there have been some coyote sightings in Atlanta neighborhoods, including Metlock and Mosley Park communities. I'll speak with Caitlin Good, from the, who is the Urban Wildlife Program Manager for the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. Now, those conversations are all coming up, but we'll begin with this. Closing arguments began today in the trial of three men accused of murdering Ahmaud Arbery. Now, prior to the prosecution and, def- and defense making their arguments, the attorney for William Roddy Bryant asked Judge Timothy Wamsley to ser- sever his client from Travis McMichael and his father, Gregory McMichael. All are charged with murder in Arbery's death. Now, Brian recorded the video of Arbery being chased that included his shooting death. The judge did not grant the motion to serve the charges against Brian, and closing arguments began. Here's prosecutor Linda Donikowski. The state's position is all three of these defendants made assumptions, made assumptions about what was going on that day, and they made their decision to attack Ahmaud Arbery in their driveways because he was a black man running down the street. So here's what we've got. The bottom line, they assumed he must have committed some crime that day because he's running real fast down the street, right? They did not call 911. After a recess, the defense addressed the jury. Jason Sheffield is one of Travis McMichael's attorneys. He knows that he's been caught sneaking around the bushes. Travis is the one that caught him. He knows that there's been a confrontation about that. He knows, he believes Mr. Arbery's gotta be, this guy, this, this, this man has to understand that these things have taken place, that he had headlights on him, that, that, that somebody was trying to talk to him about why he was out after dark in front of this house and he didn't respond. WABE's Lisa Hagen is in Brunswick and will updates will have updates later today during All Things Considered. Also, if there are any breaking developments regarding the trial, WABE will have live coverage. In other news, Georgia Democratic Congresswoman Lucy McBath will now run in the 7th District after the redrawing of the 6th, which she currently represents and is held by fellow Democrat Representative Carolyn Bardot. The new six is now heavily Republican after state lawmakers redrew those political maps. In a statement, McBath cited, quote, it is no mystery why Republicans and the NRA have decided I'm their top target as a black woman activist and mother on a mission. They would like nothing more than to stop me from speaking truth to power about the gun lobby and Republican Party in Congress. 
In other congressional news, Congresswoman Nakima Williams held a virtual roundtable this morning to discuss the bipartisan infrastructure plan. Williams, who is a member of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, talked about how the bill will directly improve the lives of people who live in Georgia's 5th Congressional District. $13.6 billion for Georgia mass transit, highways, water infrastructure, airports, and highways. Y'all, this bill is the single largest investment in mass transit, a huge step forward for transportation equity to ensure that all communities have safe access to work, school, and the places in our community that we all deserve to enjoy. Williams says the bill also works to expand universal high-speed connection and brings a $1 billion investment to reconnecting neighborhoods that were intentionally divided by interstates under the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956. And finally, it was a mixed bag of good and bad news for Georgia sports teams. Well, Atlanta United season is over. It came to an end Sunday with a 2-0 loss to New York City FC in the first round of the MLS playoffs. That was very sad. I watched it. New York scored two second-half goals to win the match. Now, Atlanta United defender Brooks Lennon says despite the loss, the team came a long way under its new head coach, Gonzalo Panada. You know, now we have a great coach in Gonzalo who knows this team now and and knows the league and is really going to push us. I I really believe that he's a guy that is going to use this experience with us, you know, the, the, the games that he had with us in this playoff game and, you know, really push us to be better. Now for Kennesaw State's football team, they are the champs of the Big South Conference. Congratulations. The Isles beat Monmouth on Saturday, 49-17. to 49-17. With the win, the team qualifies for the football championship subdivision playoff. So the Isles will play their first round game against Davidson on Saturday at Fifth Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw. Michael, check that out. And the SEC championship is set with two familiar programs, Alabama and them Georgia dogs, as the good folks in Athens say. They'll play on December 4th in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So I hope y'all can get a ticket because it will be tough. This is Closer Look. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. And you're listening to Closer Look here on 90.1 WABE. As always, I'm Rose Scott, and we are glad to be back live. Let's begin here. Raise your hand if you're cooking this Thanksgiving holiday, or if you're traveling, or simply you plan on doing absolutely nothing. Whatever the case, Thanksgiving travel will look a little, will look a lot different than it did last year. And that's because, as AAA predicts, 53.4 million folks are expected to travel this Thanksgiving holiday. That's actually up 13% from 2020. Now, no doubt, Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson International will be bustling as usual. There's a lot to talk about, so we'll bring in Andrew Gobeal. I call him Andy. He's a Communications and Public Affairs Director for Hartsfield-Jackson. It's been some time. Welcome back. Hey, Rose, my friend. How are you today? Doing all right. Are you good, cooking? It's good. What's, what's on the menu? What are you making this weekend? And when should I stop by? <laughs> 
Uh, that's a good question because I actually plan to uh, be one of those folks who will venture out uh, to someone else's house. I, I've been busy, man. I had time I to cook nothing. What you cooking? You asking Turkey, me? Turkey, homemade cranberry. You know, I'm from Cape Cod. Yes. So homemade cranberry sauce, right where the pilgrims landed, obviously. And by the way, and this is not going <laughs> to win me any friends here, it is stuffing. It is not dressing. Whatever. It's, dr- it's dressing. It is pumpkin pie. Not sweet potato pie. You know so what? Let me let me let me just hip you to something real quick. First of all, the pilgrims. The, that's a whole other conversation about them folks. Uh, number one, number two, it is dressing. Okay. Number three, it is sweet potato pie. You are talking to a sister from St. Louis. I know. Of course, know. it's sweet potato pie. But I do like pumpkin bread that a very good friend John Limley, who used to work here at the station, makes. So that's the only time I'll eat something that has some pumpkin in it or something. All right. All right. Homemade cranberry sauce, by the way. None of this canned stuff. None of this, you know, you, you spend a few hours making it. It's well worth the effort. So. Well, I got to be least. honest. There's nothing wrong with some canned cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Listen, man, that's a lot to get to. First of all, let's begin with the weekend incident that made headlines. Now, apparently there was an accidental discharge of a firearm. What can you share about this, Andy, that folks need to know? They have concerns. Yeah. Well, and I understand that as well. At about 1.30, um, TSA found uh, that there was a weapon in the bag of someone who was going through security. Um, apparently, this person tried to reach in and get the weapon as the TSA officer was doing that. The weapon discharged. The person who had the weapon um, rushed out in the midst of, of the the chaos, understandable chaos, that there's going to be shot there. Um, and so this person is now at large and Atlanta police are searching for him. They know who it is. They've got all of this information. Um, this impacted the airport to a degree. Um, but by this happened at 1:30. by 257, we had the all clear. Everything was up and running. We let everybody know what was happening uh, and everything is fine. So, Andy, can you I know there may be some things you can't share, but can you confirm there was just one shot? We social media, as you know, which is not always credible news media, but there were folks on social media said, Hey, I heard three shots. Yeah, no, um, we, we believe that there was just one shot and that's all the information that we have. So yes, there was one shot and you're right in social media. And as the communications director for the airport, that's my goal is to make sure that we get that messaging on out there. There was a description of an explosion. There was a description of, of shots fired outside of the airports um social media sometimes is like the telephone game we all played back in fourth and fifth grade the truth of the matter is there was one shot it was discharged no one was injured in that mm-hmm. um and the 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 person who whose weapon that was apparently is still at large i know it may sound seem unusual to say or perhaps it won't but remind folks about the policy as it relates to bringing weapons in this case firearms not only into the airport, because Georgia has its own gun laws regarding the airport, but once you get up to the TSA screening, because then it's no longer, for lack of better words, in explaining this, then it becomes federal area, correct? It is, and TSA obviously is a federal law enforcement agency, so do not bring weapons through the checkpoint. One of the things that we're trying to say right now, and Atlanta um, leads the nation, in guns recovered and weapons recovered in the checkpoint. And and if you could, and this isn't just the PR flack and me saying this, that's, that's a good thing in that it tells everyone 
that TSA is doing their job and that security is doing their job. We're recovering these weapons as people try to bring them on through. So, yeah, but yeah, but I could, someone's saying that's great that y'all are checking and you're able to. It was great. (laughs) But the fact is, folk need to understand you cannot bring, please don't bring your guns. Don't bring, if you plan on, okay. It is, Rose, and, and, and excuse you know the interruption, but that is one of our biggest challenges, is telling people to check their bags. Now, there is a process. If you've got a weapon that you want to bring through and travel, um, go through your airline and figure out how to check that bag, make sure it is uh, secured away. There is a process to bring it, um, but don't bring it through your carry-on baggage because one, you'll get caught, Two, you're going to spend some time with her friends over Clayton County. And then three, it's going to cost a lot of money. And fourth, it gets and interrupts um, the, the transit of all of the passengers trying to walk on through. So not only are you dealing with this headache, but so are the hundreds of passengers behind. And how long was the delay based on this latest incident? And it was at least a couple hours. Yeah, as I had said, the incident happened at 130. We had the all clear at 257. Hmm. Okay, let's talk about something that we would rather be talking about, obviously, and that is this Thanksgiving holiday. As I mentioned, coming into the segment, it looks a lot different than it did last year this time. Through your observation, were you noticing just more folks are traveling? They are, and we have noticed that over the past few weeks, which is good. Uh, For more than a year, I'm driving into work, and and the garage has been relatively empty. Uh, But we noticed over the spring break, over the Easter holiday, over Memorial Day and the 4th of July, things were picking up. People are getting vaccinated. People are wearing their masks. It's starting to get more busy here at the airport, and we expect to see even busier in the days ahead. So here are the numbers, okay? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. You have a question? Go right ahead, Rose. I'm sorry. No, go do your little little spokesperson thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here are the numbers. We expect to see 2.2 million passengers between this past Saturday, the 20th, and next Monday. It's 2.2 million passengers traveling to, from, or through Hartsfield-Jackson. Last year at this point, it was 1.6 million passengers. Mm. And then, as Kai Rizdell likes to say, in the before times, we had about 2.6 million passengers. So we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Let's remind folks about the airport COVID-19 protocols as folks need to have their mask on when they enter the airport yes or no absolutely masks are still required one because we are city owned and operated and in city owned and operated um, buildings you have to wear a mask also federal regulations require you wear a mask so bring a mask into the airport if you don't have one we've got one available for you our green-coated customer service representatives will provide a mask at no cost whatsoever Put it on, keep everybody safe. You'll use the mask, you'll wear the mask when you're walking through. If you're going to stop and enjoy some of our wonderful concessionaires, obviously you can take the mask off and even drink at that point. Um, but masks are still required here at the airport. Now, I also want to get to this for because there have been some reports of changes as it relates to the ride share. Y'all keep moving. The, the point, Andy, y'all got to get it together because there was one point where it was pretty close then y'all moved it again. It was, I don't know, like a mile down the road somewhere. And it was, not I know, because I got lost trying to it get there. It was not a mile down the road. It was almost a mile. A mile. <laughs> a mile away. Come on now. 
No, it is right close by. And we did this for two reasons. Uh, well, one main reason, we wanted to clear up our inbound roadway. Mm -hmm. um, for the past few months, uh, ride shares, TNCs, Uber and Lyft, they were able to pick up and drop off on our inbound roadways. And that's, uh, we had a lot of people who were coming in and doing that. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've created one area just over on the north side, that's the blue side here at the airport, where people can come in and come out. Now, in the past, when we had set it up in this area or an area close to this, the Uber and Lyft drivers would have to take a ticket from the ticket spitter and then pay that ticket or at least submit that ticket when they were going out. Now it is seamless. The Uber and Lyft drivers come in, they pick up their rides, and then they leave immediately. So okay. it's going to be clear. Also, is that is that have is that marked y'all have a lot of signs oh, which like most airports do but is that marked for clearly for ride share pickup especially for pickup it is it is so obviously unless you're an uber or a lyft driver you don't really need to know how to get there when you're driving into the airport if you're a passenger and you're arriving here in atlanta we recommend that you call your ride once you get out to that location they'll be there in just an instant we've got signs throughout the airport we've got our green coated customer service representatives um, we've got uh, information that will let people know what's going on and where to go it's very very simple to get to now, as it relates, obviously, to the individual airlines, you always encourage folks to check with airlines. As far as I know, there is not a nor'easter that is expected this Thanksgiving holiday, so travel should be okay. Yeah, it should be. Why you'd want to leave Atlanta, I don't know. But if you are going to be leaving Atlanta to travel for the holiday, travel looks okay. There may be a storm in the upper Midwest in the days ahead, but for now, things are looking pretty good. When we are dealing with weather delays, when you're dealing with other delays, we recommend Rose, as you pointed out, contact your airlines or at the very least, follow your airline's social media so that you can know what's going on and what their plans are. When you look back, Andy, to last year and, and this year, and obviously we are still in the pandemic, uh, what have you all learned uh, as and, you know, your city owned, but as uh, in this space that we're in, what have you all learned and what are the changes you want folks to know that you all have had to make and that maybe they will remain permanent because COVID's going to be with us for a while. We know that. Well, some of the things that we have done will remain. We installed about 500 uh, hand sanitizing stations throughout the airport. Most likely those will remain. We also involved seamless and touchless um, pickoff areas at our concessionaires. So you can go in and you don't need to hand over money. It's going to be simple. You can just tap the card and it'll be easier that way. We've asked for people to maintain social distancing. Obviously, that could be a challenge when you're on the plane train every once in a while, which is why you should be wearing your mask. Um, one of the things that came up with this is with the reduction in passenger numbers, we were able to really ramp up some of our construction efforts. Usually here at the airport, we're limited because of the number of passengers in there. Mm -hmm. Because of the, the lower numbers, we were able to increase our work. Now, Earlier, we talked about those who may take a ride share, but there's still some folks who want to drive and, 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 and park. Um, usually, we used to give an update in the mornings about what parking lots were filled. Have you any suggestions for folks in terms of getting to the airport if they are going to park their vehicle there? Uh, yeah. How much time? Sure. Excuse me. I'm sorry. But yeah, first things first is we recommend not just for parking, but for any information, go to our website. 
ATL.com. We provide up-to-the-minute parking information. We provide real-time updates for our security lanes. Um, we also provide general information about the concessionaires that are open. So ATL.com is very, very useful. Uh, have a plan in mind. So if you want to use one of our economy lots, take a look, figure out where that's going to be, follow the signs. Um, and again, just keep yourself well informed. Now, the other important issue as well, and, and I'm sure this is probably one of the questions you were going to ask, two hours, Rose, that's mm -hmm. the time. We want people here in the airport, not driving down 85, not getting ready to leave, not thinking about getting your car in the airport two hours prior to your uh, domestic departure time. It's three hours for international, just to make sure. So get in the airport at that time. And one other point, if I could on this, if you have special needs, if you're mm -hmm. going to be ADA, if you've got kids, if you've got other things, give yourself obviously more time than those two hours as well. I was gonna ask about the international gates, but then also I wanna go back to something else because for folks who may require the uh, the use of, of, of a wheelchair or, or if you're traveling just with a, a lot of luggage or whatever, that does that mean also adding maybe an extra 30 minutes? 30 minutes to an hour, yes, um, because obviously that is going to be a challenge. So make sure that you've got time to come in, get in here. We don't want you concerned that you might be missing your flight. We are incredibly efficient, but if you do have some needs that require additional assistance, make it two hours and a half or three hours here at the domestic terminal. Andy, do you know the average wait time getting through TSA for, for a Thanksgiving holiday? Yeah, um, not for Thanksgiving, but our goal is to make sure that we get people through here in about 25 to 30 minutes. Now, um, Andy, doing Thanksgiving, come on. Oh, well, see, here's the thing, and here's what I was about to say. When you get here, and we've all seen, when you get here, you get to the atrium, you look at these lines going through the atrium, and you're thinking to myself, my goodness, there's no way I'm going to get through. You will. If you get here with, you know, with two hours prior to your departure time, you will. The lines look long, but this, you know, the fact that we call ourselves the most efficient airport in the world, that's not just a, a marketing line. We really are extremely efficient. We work with TSA to get all of our passengers through. We've got advances in technology for the screening lines. It's very, very uh, beneficial, and you will get through. And, and again, look for those green-coated customer service reps. Mm -hmm. They will help you out. Well, when did y'all start the most efficient because first you were the most you were the busiest now you're the most efficient I had, when did that happen who all right first I'm who from the out. marketing team came up with that because you keep saying we're one of the busiest <laughs> airports in the nation first it's not the nation my friend we are the busiest airport in the world okay uh, we lost that title last year but it looks as if we're going to get it back which is great and the efficiency award for the past 16 years has been given to us by a research um society they actually take a look at numbers. I, what what, what I research the society? They do. It <laughs> is the Air society. Transport Research Society. If you want to look it up, go right ahead. And for the past 16 years, they've determined that we are the most efficient in the world. <laughs> okay. So I'm not just saying this. All okay. Right. All right. Good. I, okay. We're going to see. As soon as I get one email or one tweet that says, Rose, your, your dude at the airport was a little bit off with this 20 to 25 minutes getting through TSA. Well, that's, you know, when you're coming through during the busy period, it's seven o'clock on Wednesday. What do we have for numbers here? Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, we expect to see 244,000 passengers sure. in the airport. Monday, 271,000. So if that's when your flight time is, 
make sure you're here two hours, two and a half hours prior to departure. All right. Andrew, we call him Andy Gobeal, Communications <laughs> and Public Affairs Director for Hartsford Jackson Atlanta International Airport. Thank you so much for taking the time answering all the questions. We really appreciate it. Have a safe Thanksgiving. Good luck with that homemade cranberry sauce or whatever you over there are making. Oh, my goodness. It's stuffing. It is not dressing. Oh, I, I, wait, hold up. I have one question. Oh, no, 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 it, no. it just no. came in. Rose asked, how fast through pre-check? See, my listeners, you know. They're smart. They're very, very yeah. smart. So, well, again, the, the average time there is going to be 15 to 20 minutes. But during busy periods, it's going to be extended. So keep that in mind. Uh, I see how you amended that. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Say you take care. Bye. And Close Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. As always, I'm Rose Scott. You know, Atlanta often referred to as a city in the forest, and we know many Atlanta neighborhoods they're surrounded or adjacent to so many parks, trails, creeks, and yes, heavily wooded areas. And it's common to see wildlife in, in the around Metro Atlanta. We know that, right? Of course, snakes, deer, foxes, raccoons, the lovable possum every now and then. But then for some years now, coyotes. And recently there have been coyote sightings in the Medlock and Mosley Park neighborhoods. Now, the issue of what to do about coyotes has been controversial throughout the last few years. In fact, the last decade. Joining me now with more is Caitlin Good. She's the Urban Wildlife Program Manager for the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. Caitlin, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's a very important conversation. Thank you for having me. Let's begin here. Do we have any any idea in just terms of numbers? I know it may be hard. Um, do you all try to track what we consider just wildlife around this Atlanta, let's say Atlanta proper, because we know that they're throughout Georgia. But do you all do any type of count for, for these numbers? We don't have any um, good population estimates uh, for for the different wildlife living in Atlanta, but what we do do, do is uh, track the number of calls that we get based on species. And um, so we keep track of that. Have y'all received a lot of calls about coyotes in in the metro, particularly in the urban areas of of the the region here? We have. Um, coyotes are our number three reason people call. Um, so it's deer, foxes, and then coyotes. There, depending on whom you ask, Caitlin, you'll get a lot of different answers as to why we're seeing so many coyotes or wildlife even closer into the, the urban areas. Some people will talk about development and some will say, well, it's because the coyotes are looking for food. So they're following their food source. Anything else you want to add to that through your lens that you all uh, can can determine as to why we've seen this? The, not only the sightings, but look, we know the population has increased around the area. Yeah, so coyotes are here to stay. Urban environments ha- create a wonderful um, amount of food for them, prey species. Um, and so there's there's a lot of food and coyotes can easily adapt to urban environments and living right next to humans. Um, they are much easier to, they easily adapt to us more than we adapt to them. Um, but I also think um, a lot of people don't realize that we have more cameras out now. Everybody's got a ring doorbell camera, security mm-hmm. camera somewhere. And so when before maybe the, the coyote was coming through your yard, you didn't see it. But now that you have it on camera, it it appears that it's a new coyote in the area where, in fact, it was probably there the entire time. You just said a moment ago, coyotes are here to stay. So someone listening says, well, does that mean you all are not interested in trying to 
And I know this can get very controversial, either trying to trap them or do something. So, yeah, go ahead. um, No, sorry. Uh, Homeowners can can hire nuisance wildlife trapper to trap and remove coyotes. Um, And my advice to people is that if that coyote is truly causing a conflict, it's taking pets um, or, you know, it is uncomfortably close, is not showing fear of humans or your pets, that's a coyote that I would trap and remove. Um, but coyotes that are just making their way through your neighborhood, doing a great rodent pest control service for you. Um, that's a good coyote. That's one that I wouldn't worry about. Um, and, and that's one I would keep in my neighborhood. Well, if a listener says, well, when you say we have to kind of determine if it's a a coyote that's good for the community or one that's bad, if we are obviously the loss of pets, or if they are becoming dangerously close to residents, then you say that's when you need to call. Um, but can you understand someone being a little bit uncomfortable not knowing what are the laws? Because when you say hire a trapper, we're talking about trap, not kill, correct? Is there all their no. laws? Their well, laws are... Yes, so, yeah. yep. so any, any carnivore that's trapped um, can't be relocated. Um, because of uh, rabies concerns. So any coyote that is trapped would be euthanized by that trapper. Um, it is legal for citizens of, of Georgia to take coyotes outside. They don't have a season on them, so you can take them um, throughout the year if you so choose. Um, but that is also you know, within the regulations of your city and county um, firearms discharge ordinances. How often do you all get calls about people wanting to know what are those laws regarding take them as you put it. And I know for some listeners that that is disturbing to hear. Sure. Um, and, and it's most people that live in rural environments are going to know those laws already. We do get a fair number of people from the urban Metro area that, you know, are just kind of curious what their options are for, you know, coyotes that they feel like have crossed the line in their neighborhood and and truly the best option is to is to hire a nuisance wildlife trapper because they're licensed through us um and they know they know the laws inside and out and they're um they they do this for a living essentially so they are licensed through you all so maybe folks can they get this information on your website or can they call and find Yep, that you can call. Um, you can call your local game management office, uh, DNR game management office, or you can find it online at georgiawildlife.com forward slash living with wildlife. Caitlin, this has become such, and I remember a few years ago when we had a colleague, Kate Sweeney, who did a, a story about some of the coyotes in, in the area, and some folks had put these traps out, and I think a woman had broke her wrist trying to free her dog from one of these traps. What do you want folks to, to know in terms of this is what you absolutely cannot do or should not do as relates to coyotes? I want to get that out of the way. Sure. So you you should not feed them. Um, they are not cute dogs. Um changing their behavior from being wild to being human habituated is the worst thing that you can do for them. Um, and you should not approach them. Um, if it appears sick or injured, uh, leave it there and call somebody else for help. And you should not try trapping it yourself. If you don't know how, um, trapping is an art, um, and it requires lots of training and lots of, um, you know, apprenticeship and learning with somebody else that's an expert. Um, so, DIY trapping in an urban environment is never suggested. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised when when I talked about that these coyote sightings were 
in Mosley Park and in, in Medlock Park neighborhoods and mostly I mean they're that's right here in Atlanta. Not not at all. In fact, I've I've, I've got my um, map pulled up just to kind of see uh, where all of our calls are coming from, and we've had one, um, you know, right by the Capitol. Um, so these these coyotes are very adaptable, um, and they can move through through the area uh, seamlessly without us even even seeing them. Depending, because Georgia is rarely a state that goes through all four seasons, are we more likely to see them at a certain time of the year, or, or what can you what can you add to that? Sure, that's a that's a great question. So, like almost every wildlife species, the most frequently that we see them is during breeding season and when they're rearing their young. So that's going to be starting around February through April is when we see the most coyote activity. Um, they're looking for mates and then um, they have their pups and they're working hard to feed them. Um, and so we see an increase in activity, particularly in April um, mm-hmm. for, for coyotes. Going back to when you said they are here for good, basically, so we, we, we're going to live with them. They're going to live with us as long as they don't get too close and you know, uh, sadly, to take our, our little small animals here, our pets. That's basically what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, so um, and that's my program's goal is to teach people to live with wildlife. And that's that's a spectrum, right? Because some people like seeing coyotes and some people don't. And that's calling us and talking to us. And we can give you the technical assistance to see as much wildlife as you want to um, in your backyard. We can help you make that happen. I didn't even know that you all had an urban wildlife program until we started to, to dig yeah. into this. So I'm glad that you do. And I want to get to that. Yes. What do you all do? I mean, you tell folks how to. Now, look, if you tell me I have to be a friend to the possum, Caitlin. No, you don't. No, that's that's <laughs> this, we don't use the word coexist. So there's no forced coexistence. Um, it's, you know, teaching people about why coyotes or possums are doing what they're doing. Um, a lot of that reduces the fear associated with them. Um, but the program is fairly new. We're, we're uh, about two and a half years old. So uh, we're we're making our way uh, through, you know, growing pains and whatnot and developing the program out and hoping to do more out, outreach and education uh, like this. So the, the program grew out of a, a necessity in terms of a need. It absolutely did. We've since the program started, we've taken almost 5000 calls. So that's like July 1st, 2019 is when we started collecting our calls. And we've taken almost 5000. And that's with four employees. So we we're busy. If you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with Caitlin Good. She's the Urban Wildlife Program Manager for the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. We're having this conversation because we received a few emails and actually saw on social media um, videos of coyote sightings in the Metlock Park and Mosley Park. And I got I to gotta tell you, in the Mosley Park Neighborhood Association Facebook page, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny because the guy was like, hey, is this a coyote or a dog? And it's like, dude, it's a coyote. You, can't, you don't know the difference between a coyote. Now, look, I don't want to just make fun of folks, but... Clearly, there is a difference between a coyote and a German Shepherd. Yes, actually, German Shepherds are going to be larger than than the average coyote. Um, but we've had people bring in, um, you know, bobcat kittens, thinking that they're kitten kittens. So it's it's not unusual for sure. people to 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 mistake wildlife. But um, but yeah, we've got them all over Atlanta. You said coyotes sure. were your number three call. What's the top? Two? Yes. Deer and foxes. Um, so, so deer, just because of the number of injuries that happen to sure. them, 
Um, and then foxes, uh, it's just barely over coyotes. I would probably call it a tie because um, they're not even one percentage point difference. But um, it's pretty interesting because to me, foxes are way more benign than coyotes. But and if you see, a, we get a lot it, of calls. Is it true if you see a fox during the day, then more than likely it is sick or, or something? Is that true or? No, it is not true. So that's an urban um, myth. That is, it is. Um, so foxes are mostly nocturnal or crepuscular. So most active at dawn and dusk or at night. Um, but wildlife like coyotes and foxes can easily adapt to our behavior. So if your neighborhood is quiet during the day, that might be a better time for the fox or the coyote to move around. Um, and and we kind of saw that during COVID where everybody was home and wildlife was having to readapt to us being home. Um, you know, people saw them during the day and they didn't realize that they were in their backyard. Uh, Caitlin, I have a question from a listener here who wants to know, what do you do if you do encounter one, maybe alone in a park at night? Do you just yell? Do you walk away slowly? That is a great question. Um, so a couple of different things. One, if you have a small dog, you want to pick them up. Um, and if you have a large dog, I always got between my dog, my big dog, I had an 80 pound dog between me and, and the other animal, um, so that that dog, my dog wouldn't have that protective instinct. Um, and that's typically when we're going to have issues. Um, but after you've done that, you want to yell and, and scare that coyote away. They are typically afraid of people and we want Mm -hmm. to keep that fear intact by, by providing that negative reinforcement. So people are bad. I don't want to get close to them. Um, and keeping that mentality for them to keep them wild. Could there get to a point, Caitlin, where if it becomes, I mean, it's an issue, but in terms of numbers, if y'all are seeing more and more sightings, uh, then what does your department do or, or what does the Georgia Department of Natural Resources overall, what what do y'all do then? So um, coyotes don't really end up in, in that type of a scenario because they self-regulate fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so we, we don't interfere um, in, in situations like that because we do want to rely on our hunters and our trappers to manage that population. Um, and, and outside of Atlanta, they do a fairly good job of keeping our populations where they're supposed to be um, for, for wildlife in general. So that, um, so that so will we, determine the population in the urban area. Is that what you're saying? What happens outside of Yeah, and we, yeah it could because that removing coyotes opens up a gap um, for other coyotes to move into. So in, in the case that maybe the urban area has too many coyotes, they're going to start pushing out into other areas um, to find new new home ranges for themselves and their, their family groups. Before I let you go, Caitlin, I do want to address, I saw over the weekend there was a case uh, of, a, of a, a, a little boy and his sister were playing, I think it was when Brookhaven were playing basketball and um, a copperhead. Uh, he went to mm. uh, in a copperhead. I mean, are, are you hearing more about snake bites as well? Because the leaves are down and people can't see them. Yeah, it is. It is that time of year um, for for situations like that. I was actually looking for my dog in my backyard, and I was like, I need to be careful where I'm stepping. Um, uh, but it is it's it is that time of year. Copperheads just blend in so well with the foliage right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's just it is so important, you know, even if we're in a city in an urban environment to teach our kids about wildlife and what to do and what not to do and what to look for. Um, and so that's hopefully something that we can incorporate into this program as well. 
with your program, do you all go into schools and also talk to kids? So um, we have a wonderful education center just outside of Atlanta, the Charlie Elliott Wildlife um, Education Center. And they um, they come into the Atlanta area and do the school system educations. Um, they get invited to schools. They're they're always busy um, and and they have they can you can do field trips out to them as well. And they've got animal ambassadors and stuff that the kids can meet. I have another. My listeners, I love them. Uh, what to do if you hear coyotes at night? Well, I guess stay in the house. Look, I'm not answering for y'all. I'm just, <laughs> and I'm not making. Oh, see, I've been away for a week, Caitlin. I'm, I'm riled up. Uh, I'll let you answer that. I mean, if you hear them at sure. night, yeah, you, I mean, stay in the house. So, know. yeah, so um, they are, they can be extremely vocal. Um, and and typically when you're hearing them at night, they're talking to each other. Um, different, they don't hunt in, in packs. They, they're solitary hunters. Hmm, really? When you're hearing them, they're talking. Yes, uh, that's a lot, a lot of people don't know that either. So they just kind of um, hang out in loose family groups and they'll share food with each other um, but they are solitary hunters uh, so what you're probably hearing is one of them saying hey I got something for dinner um, and the other one's talking back oh Caitlin I feel like I'm so that's pretty much what <laughs> I feel like I want to scare people not they don't want to come out of their house or think but it's a very important conversation that we need to have it because is. I feel Absolutely. if the community contacts us or they're seeing this then we should talk about it before I let you go one last thing what do you want Again, to just drive the message home about coyote sightings here in, in the Atlanta area. Um, we we have coyotes all throughout Atlanta. Um, it's not something to be inherently fearful of. Um, most of the time, they're just making their way, you know, trying to make a living. Um, and their, their number one food source is going to be small rodents like mice and rats. Um, so they could be could be doing you a very good rodent pest service yeah but we want to be also but we know that also too some small pets have disappeared and we believe yes, that so, absolutely so we don't want yeah and to... and in those those situations um you know call us and talk to us about it we can try and troubleshoot some stuff with you um and we we do want to keep coyotes wild so if you see a coyote even if it, you're just on, on your back porch scare it and and let it know it's not welcome um because you're gonna be doing your neighbor a favor by reinforcing that fear absolutely caitlin good urban wildlife program manager for the georgia department of natural resources again if folks have questions or they see coyotes they just head to your website and you all have information about whom, whom they can call and all that good stuff yes absolutely all right thank you caitlin so much very a very important conversation i really appreciate it thank you thank you so much for having me And that's it for this edition of Closer Look, an update now regarding closing arguments that began today in the trial of three men accused of murdering Ahmaud Arbery. They have just returned from a lunch break, and they are still in those closing arguments. Prior to the prosecution and defense making their arguments, the attorney for William Roddy Bryan had asked Judge Timothy Wamsley to serve 
to sever his client from Travis McMichael and his father, Gregory McMichael, all are charged with murder and Arbery's death. Of course, Brian recorded the video of Arbery being chased that included his shooting death. The judge did not grant that motion to serve the charges against Brian, and so the closing arguments did begin. The baby's Lisa Hagen is in Brunswick. She will continue to have updates later today during All Things Considered. Also, if there are any breaking developments regarding the trial, WABE will have live coverage. A reminder to always let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other. Send me an email, rose at wabe.org. And if you missed any of today's program, it's always online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And of course, Closer Look weeknights at 7 p.m. as well as in our podcast. Subscribe to Closer Look wherever you like because it's free. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.